15. Pitches. Pipes of different lengths are used, for very low pitches long. Closed pipes are used, for very high pitches short. Open pipes are used. The mechanism of the organ is such that pressing a key allows the air to rush into the communicating pipe and a sound is produced characteristic of the length of the pipe. In the brass wind instruments such as horn, trombone, and trumpet, the lips of the player vibrate and excite the air within. Varying pitches are obtained partly by the varying wind pressure of the musician, if he breathes fast. The pitch rises, if he breathes slowly, the pitch falls. All of these instruments, however, except the trombone possess some valves which, on being pressed, vary the length of the tube and alter the pitch accordingly. In the trombone, valves are replaced by a section which slides in and out and shortens or lengthens the tube. 274. The Percussion Instruments. The Percussion Instruments including kettledrums, bass drums, and cymbals, are the least important of all the musical instruments, and are usually of service merely in adding to the excitement and general effect of an orchestra. In orchestral music the various instruments are grouped somewhat as shown in figure 192. Chapter XXIX Speaking and Hearing 275 Speech The human voice is the most perfect of musical instruments, within the throat. Two elastic bands are attached to the windpipe at the place commonly called Adam's apple. These flexible bands have received the name of vocal cords, since by their vibration all speech is produced. In ordinary breathing, the cords are loose and are separated by a wide opening through which air enters and leaves the lungs. When we wish to speak, muscular effort stretches the cords, draws them closer together, and reduces the opening between them to a narrow slit, as in the case of the organ pipe. If air from the lungs is sent through the narrow slit, the vocal cords or bands are thrown into a rapid vibration and produce sound. The pitch of the sound depends upon the tension of the stretched membranes, and since this can be altered by muscular action, the voice can be modulated at will. In times of excitement, when the muscles of the body in general are in a state of great tension, the pitch is likely to be uncommonly high. Women's voices are higher than men's because the vocal cords are shorter and finer, even though muscular tension is relaxed and the cords are made looser. The pitch of a woman's voice does not fall so low as that of a man's voice since his cords are naturally much longer and coarser. The difference between a soprano and an alto voice is merely one of length and tension of the vocal cords. Successful singing is possible only when the vocal cords are readily flexible and when the singer can supply a steady continuous blast of air through the slip between the cords. The hoarseness which frequently accompanies cold in the head is due to the thickening of the mucous membrane and to the filling up of the slit with mucus, because when this happens, the vocal cords cannot vibrate properly. The sounds produced by the vocal cords are transformed into speech by the help of the tongue and lips, which modify the shape of the mouth cavity. Some of the lower animals have a speaking apparatus similar to our own, but they cannot perfectly transform sound into speech. The birds use their vocal cords to beautiful advantage in singing, far surpassing us in many ways, but the power of speech is lacking. 276. The ear. The pulses created in the air by a sounding body are received by the ear and the impulses which they impart to the auditory nerve pass to the brain and we become conscious of a sound. The ear is capable of marvelous discrimination and accuracy. In order to form an idea of the extent of this power imagine an auditor in a large music hall where a full band and chorus are performing. Here, there are sounds mingled together of all varieties of pitch, loudness, and quality, stringed instruments, wood instruments, brass instruments, and voices, of many different kinds, and in addition to these there may be all sorts of accidental and irregular sounds and noises. 
such as the trampling and shuffling of feet, the hum of voices, the rustle of dress, the creaking of doors, and many others. Now it must be remembered that the only means the ear has of becoming aware of these simultaneous sounds is by the condensations and rarefactions which reach it, and yet when the sound wave meets the nerves, the nerves single out each individual element, and convey to the mind of the hearer, not only the tones and notes of every instrument in the orchestra, but the character of every accidental noise, and almost as distinctly as if each single tone or noise were heard alone. Pole. 277. The Structure of the Ear. The external portion of the ear acts as a funnel for catching sound waves and leading them into the canal, where they strike upon the eardrum, or tympanic membrane, and throw it into vibration. Unless the eardrum is very flexible there cannot be perfect response to the sound waves which fall upon it, for this reason. The glands of the canal secrete a wax which moistens the membrane and keeps it flexible. Lying directly back of the tympanic membrane is a cavity filled with air which enters by the eustachian tube, from the throat air enters the eustachian tube, moves along it, and passes into the ear cavity. The dull crackling noise noticed in the ear when one swallows is due to the entrance and exit of air in the tube. Several small bones stretch across the upper portion of the cavity and make a bridge, so to speak, from the eardrum to the far wall of the cavity. It is by means of these three bones that the vibrations of the eardrum are transmitted to the inner wall of the cavity. Behind the first cavity is a second cavity so complex and irregular that it is called the labyrinth of the ear. This labyrinth is filled with a fluid in which are spread out the delicate sensitive fibers of the auditory nerves, and it is to these that the vibrations must be transmitted. Suppose a note of 800 vibrations per second is sung, then 800 pulses of air will reach the ear each second, and the eardrum being flexible, will respond and will vibrate at the same rate. The vibration of the eardrum will be transmitted by the three bones and the fluid to the fibers of the auditory nerves. The impulses imparted to the auditory nerve reach the brain and in some unknown way are translated into sound. 278. Care of the ear. Most catarrhal troubles are accompanied by an oversupply of mucus which frequently clogs up the eustachian tube and produces deafness. For the same reason. Colds and sore throats sometimes induce temporary deafness. The wax of the ear is essential for flexibility of the eardrum. If an extra amount accumulates, it can be got rid of by bathing the ear in hot water, since the heat will melt the wax. The wax should never be picked out with pin or sharp object except by a physician, lest injury be done to the tympanic membrane. 279. The Phonograph. The invention of the phonograph by Edison in 1878 marked a new era in the popularity and dissemination of music. Up to that time, household music was limited to those who were rich enough to possess a real musical instrument, and who in addition had the understanding and the skill to use the instrument. The invention of the phonograph has brought music to thousands of homes possessed of neither wealth nor skill. That the music reproduced by a phonograph is not always of the highest order does not, in the least detract from the interest and wonder of the instrument, it can reproduce what it is called upon to reproduce, and if human nature demands the commonplace, the instrument will be made to satisfy the demand, on the other hand, speeches of famous men, national songs, magnificent opera selections, and other pleasing and instructive productions can be reproduced fairly accurately, in this way the phonograph, perhaps more than any other recent invention can carry to the shut-ins a lively glimpse of the outside world and its doings. The phonograph consists of a cylinder or disc of wax upon which the vibrations of a sensitive diaphragm are recorded by means of a fine metal point. 
The action of the pointer in reporting the vibrations of a diaphragm is easily understood by reference to a tuning fork. Fasten a stiff bristle to a tuning fork by means of wax, allowing the end of the point to rest lightly upon a piece of smoked glass. If the glass is drawn under the bristle a straight line will be scratched on the glass, but if the tuning fork is struck so that the prongs vibrate back and forth, then the straight line changes to a wavy line and the type of wavy line depends upon the fork used. In the phonograph, a diaphragm replaces the tuning fork and a cylinder or a disc coated with wax replaces the glass plate. When the speaker talks or the singer sings, his voice strikes against a delicate diaphragm and throws it into vibration, and the metal point attached to it traces on the wax of a moving cylinder a groove of varying shape and appearance called the record. Every variation in the speaker's voice is repeated in the vibrations of the metal disc and hence in the minute motion of the pointer and in the consequent record on the cylinder. The record thus made can be placed in any other phonograph and if the metal pointer of this new phonograph is made to pass over the tracing, the process is reversed and the speaker's voice is reproduced. The sound given out in this way is faint and weak, but can be strengthened by means of a trumpet attached to the phonograph. Chapter XXX Electricity 280 Many animals possess the five senses, but only man possesses constructive, creative power, and is able to build on the information gained through the senses. It is the constructive, creative power which raises man above the level of the beast and enables him to devise and fashion wonderful inventions. Among the most important of his inventions are those which relate to electricity, inventions such as trolley car, elevator, automobile, electric light, the telephone, the telegraph, bell, by his superior constructive ability, made possible the practical use of the telephone, and more so me that of wireless telegraphy. To these inventions might be added many others which have increased the efficiency and production of the business world and have decreased the labor and strain of domestic life. 281. Electricity as first obtained by man. Until modern times the only electricity known to us was that of the lightning flash, which man could neither hinder nor make. But in the year 1800, electricity in the form of a weak current was obtained by Volta of Italy in a very simple way and even now our various electric batteries and cells are but a modification of that used by Volta and called a voltaic cell. A strip of copper and a strip of zinc are placed in a glass containing dilute sulfuric acid, a solution composed of oxygen, hydrogen, sulfur, and water. As soon as the plates are immersed in the acid solution, minute bubbles of gas rise from the zinc strip and it begins to waste away slowly. The solution gradually dissolves the zinc and at the same time gives up some of the hydrogen which it contains, but it has little or no effect on the copper, since there is no visible change in the copper strip. If, now, the strips are connected by means of metal wires, the zinc wastes away rapidly. Numerous bubbles of hydrogen pass over to the copper strip and collect on it, and a current of electricity flows through the connecting wires. Evidently, the source of the current is the chemical action between the zinc and the liquid. Mere inspection of the connecting wire will not enable us to detect that a current is flowing, but there are various ways in which the current makes itself evident. If the ends of the wires attached to the strips are brought in contact with each other and then separated, a faint spark passes, and if the ends are placed on the tongue, a twinge is felt. 282. Experiments which grew out of the voltaic cell. Since chemical action on the zinc is the source of the current, it would seem reasonable to expect a current if the cell consisted of two zinc plates instead of one zinc plate and one copper plate. But when the copper strip is replaced by a zinc strip so that the cell consists of two similar plates, no current flows between them. In this case, 
chemical action is expended in heat rather than in the production of electricity and the liquid becomes hot. But if carbon and zinc are used, a current is again produced, the zinc dissolving away as before, and bubbles collecting on the carbon plate. By experiment it has been found that many different metals may be employed in the construction of an electric cell, for example, current may be obtained from a cell made with a zinc plate and a platinum plate, or from a cell made with a lead plate and a copper plate, then, too, some other chemical, such as bichromate of potassium, or ammonium chloride, may be used instead of dilute sulfuric acid, almost any two different substances will, under proper conditions, give a current but the strength of the current is in some cases so weak as to be worthless for practical use, such as telephoning, or ringing a doorbell. What is wanted is a strong, steady current, and our choice of material is limited to the substances which will give this result. Zinc and lead can be used, but the current resulting is weak and feeble, and for general use zinc and carbon are the most satisfactory. 283. Electrical Terms The plates or strips used in making an electric cell are called electrodes, the zinc is called the negative electrode, and the carbon the positive electrode, the current is considered to flow through the wire from the to the electrode. As a rule, each electrode has attached to it a binding post to which wires can be quickly fastened. The power that causes the current is called the electromotive force, and the value of the electromotive force, generally written EMF of a cell depends upon the materials used, when the cell consists of copper zinc, and dilute sulfuric acid, the electromotive force has a definite value which is always the same no matter what the size or shape of the cell, but the EMF has a decidedly different value in a cell composed of iron, copper, and chromic acid, each combination of material has its own specific electromotive force, 284, the disadvantage of a simple cell, when the poles of a simple voltaic cell are connected by a wire, The current thus produced slowly diminishes in strength and, after a short time, becomes feeble. Examination of the cell shows that the copper plate is covered with hydrogen bubbles. If, however, these bubbles are completely brushed away by means of a rod or stick, the current strength increases. But as the bubbles again gather on the electrode the current strength diminishes, and when the bubbles form a thick film on the copper plate, the current is too weak to be of any practical value. The film of bubbles weakens the current because it practically substitutes a hydrogen plate for a copper plate, and we saw in section 282 that a change in any one of the materials of which a cell is composed changes the current. This weakening of the current can be reduced mechanically by brushing away the bubbles as soon as they are formed, or chemically, by surrounding the copper plate with a substance which will combine with the free hydrogen and prevent it from passing onward to the copper plate, in practically all cells. The chemical method is used in preference to the mechanical one. The numerous types of cells in daily use differ chiefly in the devices employed for preventing the formation of hydrogen bubbles, or for disposing of them when formed. One of the best known cells in which weakening of the current is prevented by chemical means is the so-called gravity cell. 285. The gravity cell. A large, irregular copper electrode is placed in the bottom of a jar figure 198 and completely covered with a saturated solution of copper sulfate. Then a large, irregular zinc electrode is suspended from the top of the jar, and is completely covered with dilute sulfuric acid which does not mix with the copper sulfate, but floats on the top of it like oil on water. The hydrogen formed by the chemical action of the dilute sulfuric acid on the zinc moves toward the copper electrode, as in the simple voltaic cell. It does not reach the electrode, however, because, 
when it comes in contact with the copper sulfate, it changes places with the copper there, setting it free, but itself entering into the solution, the copper freed from the copper sulfate solution travels to the copper electrode, and is deposited on it in a clean, bright layer, instead of a deposit of hydrogen there is a deposit of copper, and falling off in current is prevented, the gravity cell is cheap, easy to construct, and of constant strength, and is in almost universal use in telegraphic work, practically all small railroad stations and local telegraph offices use these cells, 286, dry cells, the gravity cell, while cheap and effective, is inconvenient for general use, owing to the fact that it cannot be easily transported, and the dry cell has largely supplanted all others, because of the ease with which it can be taken from place to place, this cell consists of a zinc cup, within which is a carbon rod, the space between the cup and rod is packed with a moist paste containing certain chemicals, the moist paste takes the place of the liquids used in other cells, 287, a battery of cells, the electromotive force of one cell may not give a current strong enough to ring a doorbell or to operate a telephone, but by using a number of cells, called a battery, the current may be increased to almost any desired strength, if three cells are arranged as in figure 200, so that the copper of one cell is connected with the zinc of another cell, the electromotive force of the battery will be three times as great as the ENF of a single cell, if four cells are arranged in the same way. The ENF of the battery is four times as great as the ENF of a single cell, when five cells are combined, the resulting ENF is five times as great. Chapter XXXI Some Uses of Electricity 288 Heat Anyone who handles electric wires knows that they are more or less heated by the currents which flow through them. If three cells are arranged as in figure 200 and the connecting wire is coarse, the heating of the wire is scarcely noticeable, but if a shorter wire of the same kind is used, the heat produced is slightly greater, and if the coarse wire is replaced by a short, fine wire, the heating of the wire becomes very marked. We are accustomed to say that a wire offers resistance to the flow of a current, that island whenever a current meets resistance. Heat is produced in much the same way as when mechanical motion meets an obstacle and spends its energy in friction. The flow of electricity along a wire can be compared to the flow of water through pipes. A small pipe offers a greater resistance to the flow of water than a large pipe, less water can be forced through a small pipe than through a large pipe, but the friction of the water against the sides of the small pipe is much greater than in the large one, so it is with the electric current. In fine wires the resistance to the current is large and the energy of the battery is expended in heat rather than in current. If the heat thus produced is very great, serious consequences may arise, for example, the contact of a hot wire with wallpaper or dry beams may cause fire. Insurance companies demand that the wires used in wiring a building for electric lights be of a size suitable to the current to be carried. Otherwise they will not take the risk of insurance. The greater the current to be carried, the coarser is the wire required for safety. 289. Electric Stoves It is often desirable to utilize the electric current for the production of heat. For example, Trolley cars are heated by coils of wire under the seats. The coils offer so much resistance to the passage of a strong current through them that they become heated and warm the cars. Some modern houses are so built that electricity is received into them from the great plants where it is generated, and by merely turning a switch or inserting a plug, electricity is constantly available. In consequence, many practical applications of electricity are possible, among which are flat iron and toaster. Within the flat iron figure 201, 
is a mass of fine wire coiled as shown in figure 202, as soon as the iron is connected with the house supply of electricity, current flows through the fine wire which thus becomes strongly heated and gives off heat to the iron. The iron, when once heated, retains an even temperature as long as the current flows, and the laundry silent in consequence, free from the disadvantages of a slowly cooling iron, and a frequent substitution of a warm iron for a cold one. Electric irons are particularly valuable in summer, because they eliminate the necessity for a strong fire, and spare the housewife intense heat. In addition, the user is not confined to the laundry, but is free to seek the coolest part of the house. The only requisite being an electrical connection. The toaster figure 203 is another full electrical device, since by means of a toast may be made on a dining table or at a bedside. The small electrical stove, shown in figure 204 is similar in principle to the flat iron, but in it the heating coil is arranged as shown in figure 205. To the physician electric stoves are valuable, since his instruments can be sterilized in water heated by the stove, and that without fuel or odor of gas. A convenient device is seen in the heating pad figure 206. A substitute for a hot water bag, embedded in some soft thick substance are the insulated wires in which heat is to be developed, and over this is placed a covering of felt. 290. Electric lights. The incandescent bulbs which illuminate our buildings consist of a fine, hair-like thread enclosed in a glass bulb from which the air has been removed. When an electric current is sent through the delicate filament, it meets a strong resistance. The heat developed in overcoming the resistance is so great that it makes the filament a glowing mass. The absence of air prevents the filament from burning, and it merely glows and radiates the light. 291. Blasting. Until recently, dynamiting was attended with serious danger, owing to the fact that the person who applied the torch to the fuse could not make a safe retreat before the explosion. Now a fine wire is inserted in the fuse, and when everything is in readiness, the ends of the wire are attached to the poles of a distant battery and the heat developed in the wire ignites the fuse. 292. Welding of metals. Metals are fused and welded by the use of the electric current. The metal pieces which are to be welded are pressed together and a powerful current is passed through their junction. So great is the heat developed that the metals melt and fuse, and on cooling show perfect union. 293. Chemical Effects The plating of gold, silver, and other metals, if strips of lead or rods of carbon are connected to the terminals of an electric cell, as in figure 208, and are then dipped into a solution of copper sulfate. The strip in connection with the negative terminal of the cell soon becomes thinly plated with a coating of copper. If a solution of silver nitrate is used in place of the copper sulfate, the coating formed will be of silver instead of copper. So long as the current flows and there is any metal present in the solution, the coating continues to form on the negative electrode, and becomes thicker and thicker. The process by which metal is taken out of solution, as silver out of silver nitrate and copper out of copper sulfate and is in turn deposited as a coating on another substance, is called electroplating. An electric current can separate a liquid into some of its various constituents and to deposit one of the metal constituents on the negative electrode, since copper is constantly taken out of the solution of copper sulfate for deposit upon the negative electrode. The amount of copper remaining in the solution steadily decreases, and finally there is none of it left for deposit. In order to overcome this, the positive electrode should be made of the same metal as that which is to be deposited. The positive metal electrode gradually dissolves and replaces the metal lost from the solution by deposit and electroplating can continue as long as any positive electrode remains. 
practically all silver, gold, and nickel plating is done in this way, machine, bicycle, and motor attachments are not solid, but are of cheaper material electrically plated with nickel, when spoons are to be plated, they are hung in a bath of silver nitrate side by side with a fixed lab of pure silver, as in figure 209, the spoons are connected with the negative terminal of the battery, while the slab of pure silver is connected with the positive terminal of the same battery, the length of time that the current flows determines the thickness of the plating, 294, how pure metal is obtained from ore, when ore is mined, it contains in addition to the desired metal many other substances, in order to separate out the desired metal, the ore is placed in some suitable acid bath, and is connected with the positive terminal of a battery, thus taking the place of the silver slab in the last section, when current flows, any pure metal which is present is dissolved out of the ore and is deposited on a convenient negative electrode, while the impurities remain in the ore or drop as sediment to the bottom of the vessel, metals separated from the ore by electricity are called electrolytic metals and are the purest obtainable, 295, printing, the ability of the electric current to decompose a liquid and to deposit a metal constituent has practically revolutionized the process of printing. Formerly, type was arranged and retained in position until the required number of impressions had been made, the type meanwhile being unavailable for other uses. Moreover, the printing of a second edition necessitated practically as great labor as did the first edition, the type being necessarily set afresh. Now, however, the type is set up and a mold of it is taken in wax. This mold is coated with graphite to make it a conductor and is then suspended in a bath of copper sulfate, side by side with a slab of pure copper. Current is sent through the solution as described in section 293. Until a thin coating of copper has been deposited on the mold, the mold is then taken from the bath, and the wax is replaced by some metal which gives strength and support to the thin copper plate. From this copper plate, which is an exact reproduction of the original type. Many thousand copies can be printed, the plate can be preserved and used from time to time for later editions, and the original type can be put back into the cases and used again. Chapter XXXII Modern Electrical Inventions 296 An electric current acts like a magnet. In order to understand the action of the electric bell, we must consider a third effect which an electric current can cause connect some cells as shown in figure 200 and close the circuit through a stout heavy copper wire, dipping a portion of the wire into fine iron filings, a thick cluster of filings will adhere to the wire figure 210, and will continue to cling to it so long as the current flows, if the current is broken, the filings fall from the wire, and only so long as the current flows through the wire does the wire have power to attract iron filings, an electric current makes a wire equivalent to a magnet giving it the power to attract iron filings. Although such a straight current bearing wire attracts iron filings, its power of attraction is very small, but its magnetic strength can be increased by coiling as in figure 211. Such an arrangement of wire is known as a helix or solenoid, and is capable of lifting or pulling larger and more numerous filings and even good-sized pieces of iron, such as tacks. Filings do not adhere to the sides of the helix but they cling in clusters to the ends of the coil. This shows that the ends of the helix have magnetic power but not the sides. If a soft iron nail figure 212 or its equivalent is slipped within the coil, the lifting and attractive power of the coil is increased, and comparatively heavy weights can be lifted. A coil of wire traversed by an electric current and containing a core of soft iron has the power of attracting and moving heavy iron objects, that island it acts like a magnet. 
Such an arrangement is called an electromagnet. As soon as the current ceases to flow, the electromagnet loses its magnetic power and becomes nearly iron and wire without magnetic attraction. If many cells are used, the strength of the electromagnet is increased, and if the coil is wound closely, as in figure 213, instead of loosely, as in figure 211, the magnetic strength is still further increased. The strength of any electromagnet depends upon the number of coils wound on the iron core and upon the strength of the current which is sent through the coils. To increase the strength of the electromagnet still further, the so-called horseshoe shape is used figure 214. In such an arrangement there is practically the strength of two separate electromagnets. 297. The electric bell. The ringing of the electric bell is due to the attractive power of an electromagnet. By the pushing of a button figure 215 connection is made with a battery, and current flows through the wire wound on the iron spools, and further to the screw which presses against the soft iron strip or armature, and from the current flows back to the battery. As soon as the current flows, the coils become magnetic and attract the soft iron armature, drawing it forward and causing the clapper to strike the bell. In this position, no longer touches the screw and hence there is no complete path for the electricity, and the current ceases, but the attractive, magnetic power of the coil stops as soon as the current ceases, hence there is nothing to hold the armature down, and it flies back to its former position, in doing this, however, the armature makes contact at through the spring, and the current flows once more, as a result the coils again become magnets, the armature is again drawn forward, and the clapper again strikes the bell, but immediately afterwards the armature springs backward and makes contact at and the entire operation is repeated. So long as we press the button this process continues producing what sounds like a continuous jingle, in reality the clapper strikes the bell every time a current passes through the electromagnet. 298. The push button. The push button is an essential part of every electric bell, because without, 